Y'all know we are picky about our sponsors, and this one was handpicked by us because we absolutely love it. April and I are huge fans of Hot Source Yoga. Not only does their hot Pilates and hot sculpt keep us fit and feeling good, but we also have a ton of fun doing it. If you are in or around Santa Cruz, you got to check out Hot Source Yoga. And if you want to be extra badass and up your Pilates game or perhaps become a Pilates teacher, dive into their online hot Pilates teacher training anytime from the privacy of your own home. The founder, Nicole, is also one of my favorite life coaches who has helped hundreds of women empower themselves to make their dreams a reality. Nicole offers sessions in person or online. Use code SHAMELESS for $20 off your first coaching session at NicoleDuke.com. And be sure to visit HotSourceYogaStudio.com to see why it's our latest obsession. I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website, shamelesssex.com, for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This episode, I love Dr. Nan. Dr. Nan Weiss. It's like episode. Are we at 150 yet? I think. Well, I mean, if you include the bonus episodes, we're at 150. Nan was exciting. Awesome, though. Nan was so good. And her dog. Oh, my God. Her little dog. Yeah, her little dog. She talks about dog animals as like therapy and touch therapy. And oh, my God. She's incredible, though. She she started as a neuroscientist who also is a clinical uh, psychologist, I believe. She sees clients. And she's she's been on, if you actually look her up, she's been on all kinds of. Um, videos and things online about all the research she's done. She's one of the, what did she say? Like one of the top researchers on orgasm. Yeah. Someone actually just sent me randomly on Instagram. Um, someone that I know that doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, I wish she did, but she doesn't. She was like, Hey, you should have her on your show. And it was something with Dr. Nan. And I was like, Oh, she just was on our show. And, um, it was something that she did that was, I'm actually looking for right now. Uh, that was pretty Awesome. She just constantly, yeah. Seven lessons from a certified sex therapist from good to great sex. And it was with Dr. Nan. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's incredible. You're all going to love it. We connected with her. We're like, oh my God, Nan, we love you. So it's, I love those episodes when you can tell someone's so passionate about the work that they do. And she's also just like works well with people. You can tell she's a people person. Yeah. Ask Dr. Nan. You can ask her questions and you could see her dog on Instagram. Her dog is adorable. Her dog is adorable. All right. So we have a sex question. We have a testimonial. We have some announcements. Announcement numero uno. I'm teaching in the next month. Um, I, I haven't been teaching a lot lately and it's been really, fun i actually taught on valentine's day and so I'm teaching. it was awesome it's like 25 couples Ooh. all wrapped around each other like kissing and slowly touching with a fully clothed you know they're not yeah. touching like genitals or things it's so sweet like people came up after just glowing 
It was beautiful. And so I'm actually doing uh, co-teaching with that same teacher, Daniel Molnar, an extended version of that next month. This is March 13th through 15th. It's a weekend long retreat mm. called Tantra in Motion, which is like a deep dive into erotic embodiment. It's open to everyone. You don't have to come with a partner. Where is it? Um, it's in the Santa Cruz mountains here in Boulder Creek. And it is going to be yummy and juicy and there'll be all kinds of things, orgasmic breath work and Tantra practices and some embodied dance stuff. And it'll be in the woods. And I'll be in Australia and New Zealand. I'll be able to go. You'll be in a fucking awesome place. I know. Stoked for you. I know. I mean, this is going to be an awesome place too. If anyone wants to learn more or come, uh, we have limited room, limited, limited capacity. Go to Daniel Molnar. That's M-O-L-L-N-E-R.com to learn more and sign up ASAP. Can't talk. Are you excited for Amsterdam? Or not Amsterdam. I'm talking about Amsterdam too. Are you excited for for Australia, New Zealand? I've never been to New Zealand, so I'm very excited for that. Isn't there summer down there right now? Yeah, the the weather. It's like in the 70s Fahrenheit. Perfect. So it's nice weather. And the last time I was there was August, so it'll be a little bit different because that was approaching their end of their uh, winter. Yeah. So this is more of their fall, I yeah. believe. I think it would be fall, yeah. yeah. Coming into fall. Yeah. So it should be beautiful. I'm excited. And, and I mean, it's work, but it's... Oh, wait. Would it be coming to fall if we're, if we're still in winter, then they would still be summer? How does it work? They're, well, it's the opposite. So yeah. it's our spring. So it's moving into their fall. Is, and is then their spring now? Their winter. Our spring is... I mean, it's... A spring sprung? Spring what starts March pretty much okay right the equinox is it equinox so that's in March yeah I yeah. believe it's March twenty first uh, I think so I think they're always the twenty first like solstices and right things, yeah I but I'm definitely not an expert in yeah. that category no, no, I could get more experts I'm excited for you it. though that'll be fun I am too and then Australia I will also be in Sydney and possibly melbourne melbourne i can't wait to go shopping oh, that's her favorite thing to i do wish that. you were there i know that'd be fun so if any friends record are, live from down under yeah if, if we have friends in australia listening come i'll visit, be there come visit this chip i won't be there i will be in dallas uh-uh, uh in the end of this month on february 28th and march 1st i'm teaching at sarah's secret in dallas two different nights two and different workshops after your birthday so people come and say happy birthday to amy in person be 35 when i teach yeah you can come and bring me presents or just say hi and learn about her pleasure and then one another class is his pleasure 101 uh, go to sarahssecret.com to learn more and that is sarah's with just s-a-r-a there's no h in it uh hope to see you there uh, and then one thing I want to share, I kind of, did I tell you how Amsterdam night went? I told you my idea for Amsterdam night. No. Amsterdam Remember night. Remember where I was at my house, like Amsterdam? Oh, yes. Oh, the, yeah. I was thinking red light district night. It I wasn't thinking no, about it. No, it was like a red light district. Right. Yeah. There's red light districts everywhere. Yes. Yeah. My, so we, we talk about this in the podcast. We share, you know, it was Valentine's Day and we share various ideas for things that um, you can do that are non-traditional, you know, not just like, oh, we'll go to dinner and a movie. And one of the things that we've talked about that April and I love, but I haven't done, I don't think you've done either, where you set up your house like a different theme night, like a night in Paris. And you have some French cafe music and, I don't know, some escargot. Beret. Yeah, beret. And, uh, carry a baguette all <laughs> some night. French fries. I don't know. <laughs> and then your lover comes home and you're, you're going to take on some persona or role. And we've talked pomme about it. Have you ever done that before? Français, not French fries. Oh, sorry. Pommes frites. Pommes frites. Have you done that before? Um, no, not really. I always, though, not and not to... Uh, get away from I want to hear about this night yeah. what I do though whenever I make dinner at home I always set up a very beautiful table oh, yeah you do so I and I usually do something special so for Valentine's Day I made dinner for uh, my partner and his daughter and one of his daughters and I did uh I just used a uh, little I I go and get 
rosemary from around the neighborhood or a flower. Mm. And I make it special with cloth napkins. You do that even when we get takeout. You set up like a, a cute little takeout setup. <laughs> well, because I think it's special. I, I love especially it. when you make dinner, I feel like it needs to be special. So, no, I did not do a theme to answer your question. I did not do a themed you have not situation. Before. I just try to make it special in my own way. Yeah. I do love the idea, though, and I can't wait to hear about your. Well, I can't night. say I'm a, the best actress. It went in, yeah. in my. So, like, I was talking to you about this. Like, you would be good at this because you're good at accents and things and i am not good at this so i wanted to set up my house like amsterdam because i have a red light bulb and my door has a window in it so i could you know pull up the blind because you you see them through the windows in the red light district you know the 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 ladies that you can work with or the sex workers and they have a red light on in there in the red light district and or actually it's red light outside but inside they're kind of like neon lights or something i'm not we were there i don't fully remember and then you, they yeah. talk to you through I the glass. I think if the red light's on, it means that there's people available. Well, they're, they're open. Yes. Okay. So they talk to you through the glass, and then you go in, and I thought someone said that they like, like do like a little clean, clean you up or something. I was like, but I could, that could be wrong. And then they um, go they're like, in, you shower. You will shower. Shower. Yes. You might shower. And then they do their work. And so I set up my house as, as a little red light district, and my... Uh, partner jeez i always get confused what to say partner came over and um and i had like a little lace lingerie thing but i'm not good at accents so i was an american named Callie. that was my sex worker Ooh. name from california oh yeah who moved to amsterdam is working there as a sex worker so i could pay myself through medical school wow and i had some ball of absinthe and i had rolled a nice little joint wow and we, so he came in and then and I, so i was just talking my normal amy self and then You're like hi yeah hey what's up yeah <laughs> and i was like and then we took a bath and they had these outdoor bear claw tubs we were smoking a joint and drinking absinthe and had some little snacks and then we had some hot sex and it was just yeah, kind of funny i was just like so are you here on a business trip do you come here often you know things like that and it was really fun but the, here's here's the most entertaining part he was like all right, I need to up my game. So <laughs> a couple of days later, he came over and he's like, I'm going to set up your house. You need to leave. And I was like, all right. And so I went to that other house on my, the property I live on. And he had a whole kit of things and like set up. And Ooh, I came there and he had a whole bunch of things, like all these tie downs and tools and things. Oh. And I come in the house and he's a construction worker with his oh, shirt off. Hot. He's wearing jeans and a tool belt and like safety goggles. <laughs> and he actually repaired some stuff in my house first. Oh, that's really cool. But then he needed to show me his tools so Ooh. that I could learn them. But the way that I would learn his tools was on my body. And so he had like a massage table set up and some restraints and started like using these different tools on my body for the sensations and textures and things and um it was fucking awesome he was like totally in character the whole time. like you're a good actor <laughs> he's really good at it so i just want to share these things because well this this person that i'm sharing these fun journeys with is fucking awesome and y'all should try some great things have you ever heard speaking of trying great things have you ever heard of the massage gun no. So it's the it's a it's, like it's a, a fuck a, machine. No, it's a massage gun that a lot of athletes use to break up the tissues when oh. you get um, sore muscles. And I, my partner bought one, and it is remarkably amazing. It kind of like it like thuds almost. Huh. So uh, you put a dildo at the end. So you you <laughs> could it has attachments. So yesterday I I worked out really hard at the gym uh, and my back's been kind of sore. And so I was asking my partner if he would, 
use massaging on my back. So he was massaging my back with it. And then he started putting it on my, my vulva. Mm. And then we ended up using that. It was in, did you have an orgasm? Was it awesome? Oh my God. I had the biggest. Did it pound you? It pounds you. But it has a and powerful then he orgasm. Was, but he was, uh, we had anal. At the same time? Yeah. Well, it all Lewis. started. We warmed up the situations. The situation. With, with Is that all your my genitals? Situations. Is your genital called a situation? Well, I need a lot of more attention before. So it's not just about the genitals. It's yeah. all all the situations. We warm up my situation. I mean, hello, my situation. That's awesome. So it was really funny. And now tool. I had it. But I realized afterward it's a foam ball. Oh, you can't sanitize it. I wash it with soap and water. But I was like, Put a condom hmm. on it next time. I don't think it'll... I don't think it'll grow bacteria. It was just really fun, the massage gun. I do recommend the massage gun, though, for anyone that wants some release and uh, from sore muscles. She's or, like pointing at her shoulders right now, but she also your And your then you bits. can just use that if you don't have access to your vibrators, which I have a whole drawer full. I just wanted to try something new, I guess. I like that. It was unexpected. See, creativity. Creativity. I mean, I, I'm realizing with these explorations, having a, a partner that I can ex- explore these things with, because not everyone's down for that. You know, it's like, yeah. you got, it's, we're weird. We're weird humans. We like to do weird shit. And um, it's not that weird, but like, you know, creative. And we're laughing a lot of the time. Like, you can't take yourself seriously in the, yeah. during these times. And I'm realizing that the possibilities are limitless for the newness that you can create. We could take on all these roles or create these new environments or use take it massage out the bedroom things on genitals. Sometimes too. Yeah. We weren't in the bedroom because we were on, like on the couch chilling. And I thought that was really exciting too, because it's something that we don't typically participate in. It's usually in the bedroom. Yeah. And I, like I bought that. some of those red boots and use those also. Some of these knee high red boots. Oh, I yeah. love those boots on yeah. you. Those, I was like, they remind me of, you should unzip and have condoms and they're like pretty like woman. Like pretty woman. Uh-huh. See, yeah, you could, you, could, you should be a sex worker for a night. I could be. You can borrow my red light bulb if you want. Yeah, I love, I love that idea of You'd be of a good sex character. worker. You would be like, I could see you in role, totally, with an accent. Yeah, but throw on What maybe. would be your sex worker name? Nastrovia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, see, you're better than I am at this. You would be so <laughs> I would be, I'd be Russian Nastrovia. I love that. You like vodka. Um, you want vodka on your penis. <laughs> Ouch. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone's into it though. Um, I don't know how Someone vodka says yes, would be good on the penis, but sanitize. Shots? That's the sanitization part. Your pee hole. Oh, geez. Um, okay. Yeah, April's animal's going crazy. We're going to read a testimonial from a recent podcast we did. Is podcast episode 144, the This Is Your Brain on Birth Control episode. Oh, yeah. That was a good episode. Um, and this listener says, I am floored by all this info on birth control. I went off birth control about 10 years ago when I was 42. And about six months after, more or less, I felt so much better. And like, I was, my, like a fig was lifted. I don't know what a fig is. Something fog, was lifting. Probably a fog. A fog. <laughs> okay. I, had, I didn't fully read this before. <laughs> I, I had suspected then that there has to be a connection between the pill and the way I was feeling. All the time prior to getting up birth control, I was on antidepressants and was even told that it was all in my head. And of course, your husband doesn't look like Brad Pitt, so get over it. When I explained that I don't even have the desire to be in uh, any romantic situations with him. Anyways, I'm kind of glad I'm not the only one that and was not going insane. I I do think more should be done about this, and I don't know how to go about it, but I am grateful. Good job, and keep it going. Yay. I love that. I love hearing when um, people are one. Well, this is like being, you know, being um, 
their experience is normalized. You know, they're, they were like, okay, I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not the only one. And there's, you know, the research is behind it. So love hearing that. Thank you uh, listeners. That for- book was so cool too, because it was more of the psychological mm-hmm. approach and, and a lot of research. And it just was, she at that, the doctor, Dr. Was Sarah Sarah, yeah. yeah, she was so great and yeah. highly recommend listening to the episode. If you're listening to this right now and are considering getting off birth control and also then, uh, perhaps buying that book or, or if you're going to have kids that are going to be on birth control yeah. or if you are on it and you're it's, like, Oh, I didn't know. And it's not bashing birth control because no. we do know that some folks, it's the only option yeah. or it is the easiest option. And in lieu of actually having a child, if you're using it for contraceptive contraception. Yeah. Yeah. This is my brain tomato, on, birth control, on no birth control. On no birth control. That's scary. Uh, so th- that's your choice. And it, I respect that. However, there are options out there for yeah. you that could be brain clearing, brain fog clearing. I have some fog today. I, I have a like little four fog hours today yesterday, too. last night. So oh, I'm like, wow. Burr. I was all jacked up after having that kind of a heavy conversation with a friend. And like, it just, even though we cleared it, it gets me kind of hyped up and I probably should have done some processing of journaling and meditation or something, which brings me to motherfucking calm. Yo. Oh yeah. So the calm app you've heard us talk about on here. God, I should have listened to that last night. I have that on my phone. Instead I stayed up so well, like too late. God, I don't know why I didn't do that. Um, I always say, though, meditators make better lovers. It helps you to be more in your body and have that single point of focus on touch and sensation. And it's also just good for you to have as a regular practice. April, you use the Calm app all the time, don't you? I use it pretty much twice a day. It is my regular go-to for meditation. It gives you guided meditations. They have daily meditations that are 10 minutes and it's a good way to learn if you're there's new. There's so many different people and voices. And if you're new or if you are even an experienced meditator, it's awesome. My favorite thing, though, are the sleep stories. There's there's so many. There's hundreds. There's some for kids. So if you want to get your Calm on, for listeners of this show, that's you. Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash shameless. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every single week. Get started, y'all. Go to calm.com slash shameless. Again, calm.com slash shameless dude do it do it do it and um if you want to also learn how to be a more embodied lover it adds benefits to that too check it out um all right are you ready for a bio oh yeah i love it we're not going to answer the sex question today because i realize we are already <laughs> at crunch time so let's do a bio let's just dive right into the podcast Nan Weiss, PhD, is a cognitive neuroscientist, a professor, a licensed psychotherapist, certified sex educator, board certified clinical hypnotherapist, and certified relationship specialist. She's fucking awesome. After almost 20 years in clinical practice, she became driven to understand how the brain creates moods and behaviors in relation to sex and other aspects of human experience. Having returned to academia, I would say that wrong, to pursue a PhD in cognitive neuroscience, she is now a cognitive neuroscience researcher at Rutgers University. University, Newark. Dr. Nan has contributed her expert opinion to outlets such as National Geographic, The Atlantic, Time, Glamour, Women's Health Magazine, The Washington Post, Huffington Post, Romper, Bustle, and has a weekly column in Glamour called Ask Dr. Nan, in which she addresses sexual health questions from readers. To learn more, go to askdrnan.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-Nan.com. To learn more, April, are you ready? I love Dr. Nan. Can't wait. Here we go. 
All right, everyone, it is episode time of the Shameless Sex Podcast. We are here with Dr. Nan Weiss, author of Why Good Sex Matters, Understanding the Neuroscience of Pleasure for a Smarter, Happier, and More Purpose-Filled Life. Who does not want that? Welcome to our show, Nan. We're so happy to have you here. And thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a well. No, I was doing a pure pleasure plug. It's a, <laughs> I own a, my own online sex shop with my mom called Pure Pleasure. So it's gonna be like it's a pure pleasure shop dot com. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start with you wrote a book, but you've done so many things in the world of research. You're a neuroscientist. You see folks in a private practice. Can you tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in writing this book and in working all around sexuality? Well, I always dealt with sexuality before I even knew that there were sex therapists. So when I first became a therapist, I would ask people, how's your health? How's your relationship with your partner? How's your relationship with yourself? And how's your sex life? And I found there was so much shame around sex, which is why I love the name of your podcast, Shameless Sex. Shame is a big issue for people around their feelings, around their sexuality, around their bodies. So I was always working in that way, very holistically with people. And my personal journey, I come from a long line of people who have anxiety issues. It's in our genes. So I write about in my intro about my big fat first panic attack when I was in between undergrad and grad school. And so I spent a lot of time trying to work with my own nervous system. And I was basically kind of teaching, learning what I needed to know so I could teach it. So I teach what I needed to know. And, and you know, what you'll see across the board is if you have too much anxiety or depression or stress, your ability to have pleasure in or out of the bedroom flatlines. And that's a condition called anhedonia. And when I was talking to the people WebMD today, they told me that there's some recent evidence that 28% of adults have not had sex in the previous year. So we're having kind of this plague of people kind of getting away from sex and also people having trouble having pleasures in other ways. You have more anxiety, more depression, more stress. And now the number one cause of both um, illness and disability worldwide is depression. Mm -hmm. So when depression comes along with anhedonia or the inability to have pleasure, and then it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So I have been carefully cultivating over the course of my 62 years, uh, not always being an adult through that whole time, but like really working on myself so that I could have more fun, that I can enjoy my life, that I could embody my sexuality, my pleasure, and kind of teach other people what I needed to know. I know why I think pleasure is so important, at least for, for my, in my life. I think it gives me a subtle glow, the more pleasure I experience. I would love to hear what from your book and also what your opinion is on why pleasure is so important for humans and why um, we should all want to experience more of that. Well, what I unpack in my book that I think is really needed in psychology is the understanding of how our core emotional brains are wired just like four-legged, all mammals, 
And other animals have these core wired and visceral emotions that are totally ignored in psychology. So pleasure is an important signal for human beings and animals to pursue things that would be good for us and avoid things that would be bad for us. And what's happened is that that system has gotten hijacked by the way that we live. So I like to talk a lot about healthy hedonism, which are pleasures that feel good and are good for us. Mm -hmm. So, and sex is a huge one. When you have sex with somebody that you like and who likes you, it's a huge source. I studied sex in the brain, orgasm in the brain. I put men and women in the scanner, not at the same time. Mm -hmm. The scanners are tiny. And watched what happened to their brains when they did stimulation that culminated most of the time in orgasm. And I was like, I've done the most comprehensive, I think, research to date on the brain correlates of sexual pleasure. Sexual pleasure is big pleasure. Mm -hmm. So if you want to study pleasure, look at sex in the brain. That's going to show you how the pleasure systems work. So back to your original question. Pleasure is a necessary signal for our emotional brains to be balanced, to be able to move towards things that are hopefully good for us and avoid things that aren't. So we get pleasure in our culture a little bit wrong. So when we think of pleasure, people think of the the neurotransmitter dopamine, you know, like sex. I call it the slutty neurotransmitter, and my students in behavioral neuroscience love that. The sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, all of that. Social media hits, dopamine, dopamine. But dopamine's not really about pleasure in a sense. Dopamine is about wanting. It's about craving. It's about, it's actually a learning signal. Things that release dopamine get our attention. But what's getting our attention these days is probably not the stuff that's going to be the the most satisfying. So I unpack these core systems, the seven core systems that have been studied extensively. And if I'm getting too sciencey, just tell me back off because no, we like the sciencey stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm always trying to like speak to the audience in a way that is going to be accessible. So like basically these systems are in the brain. How do we know? A colleague of mine mapped them out, Jacques Panksept, who's unfortunately no longer with us. If you stimulate these circuits in animals or human beings, you get these emotions. But these circuits are in the older parts of the brain. And psychology does not like to acknowledge that animals have similar feelings at the bottom of the brain as we do. We're very different at the top of the brain. But those seven wired in systems, you know, animals have them too, and they're there for a reason. So the dopamine system is meant to get us into the world with some enthusiasm and motivation to do things like get fed, have shelter, you know, have intimacy, protect ourselves, defend ourselves, you know, all of that. And now dopamine's been hijacked by all of these kind of attention grabbing things. So we're having the dopamine system kind of ramped up artificially and then it gets really flat. And that's when people get really down, a flattened uh, seeking system. I write about people in, that I've dealt with. I've made these kind of composite clients. So I'm not 
outing anybody in particular, but they're very, very typical. Like of when you are not able to get motivated enough to go into the world and date or get your you know, pleasure out of your work. We need to be able to go into the world and connect with other human beings face to face, flesh to flesh, so that the satisfying pleasures, like from the care system, Jilly and I probably right now we're having like an entrainment of our heart rates, you know, being close and comfortable to, with animals. That's why they're therapeutic is they she stimulate. She has a cute dog on her lap, by the way, everyone, a super cute little animal. Yeah. She's precious and she's so smart. Yeah. And you don't even have to walk her. She's, completely <laughs> she's an autonomous. She does her own business. And so you're saying she like she likes so she's seeking a pleasure seeker the, the same way or as and similarly the way we are very similar mm-hmm. she craves comfort she mm-hmm. craves connection she is like all animals they need their mothers or they need like when you take a baby animal away they protest if you take a baby chick though if you take them away you know a separated baby chick's going to be a dead baby chick so mm-hmm. Nature wired us this way. And, you know, that's what I'm really trying to bring to the table. When we understand that these core emotions are in our bodies, that we, when we pay attention to our bodies, hello, we have a body. Mm-hmm. People are like heads on sticks. Mm-hmm. That's what I found. So that's how I got into the biz. I, so I, with the, the dopamine system that you're talking about, the, you know, it's like, it's a reward system or you, I like that you called it a teacher. Um, Right, correct. And so I'm curious about that. What are your thoughts? So because we live in a society right now where you can see all the things, you know, there's all these movies and you can listen to shameless sex and hear about all these wild things that you can do and or and or or experience and then people try all these different things. Does the dopamine system work in a way where um people experience like the highest of highs and then after that it's like hard to meet that once again. They're kind of constantly seeking to meet that highest of highs. Is it, I guess my question is, does it hurt us in any way to have such easy access or influence um, to, uh, to, to get to those highest of highs? And then after that, it's like hard for us. We become jaded and it's hard for us to be stimulated again. You're absolutely dead on about that. And it's even more complicated because what happens is, the high of the high with dopamine is really more about wanting, you know, you want the next hit, whether it's the next, you know, bag of Doritos or the next social media thing or the next, whatever it is, those kinds of highs are not satisfying. You know what I mean? So what we're kind of doing is we're chasing the wanting and the craving because it feels good in a way. It's like we feel enthusiastic. There's kind of a feeling of kind of like you describe a high. But it's not a pleasure in the sense of like sustainable and satisfying because that's why we need more and more. And, you know, people are designing these foods that make you want more. Like, you know, the food engineers are doing it. So you have to keep eating those Doritos. Attention engineers are doing that with things on social media and Internet. So it keeps us clicking, clicking, clicking. And what it can do is flatten out the dopamine system. And what dopamine is meant to do is to kind of get our attention. So you have like 
the way they studied this, is it okay if I talk about monkeys and science about monkeys? Of course. We love monkeys. Monkeys. <laughs> so what they did was they put in these electrodes into the dopamine neurons in monkeys. And what they saw was when you give monkeys a little bit of juice, the dopamine neurons go, yay, right? And then if you show them something that predicts that the juice is coming, like think kind of classical conditioning, what will happen is the dopamine neuron will get really elevated at the sign of what predicts the juice. But if this is predicting the juice over and over again, guess what? goes flat. It's a learning signal. And it's only if there's a reward, bigger, bigger bolus amount of juice that the dopamine will go up. Or if you don't get any juice at all, the dopamine neurons get suppressed. Mm. So it's kind of like nature's way of, of mobilizing our attention and directing then us to be motivated to meet those basic core emotion those needs for survival, and I also say thrival. So we are kind of stuck now in that seeking system going flat, and it's no longer a good signal about what's going to be useful for us. And it's like when you put your foot on the gas pedal, after a while they just run out of gas, right? And it's, gets re- it's really even co- more complicated because there's different kinds of receptors and dopamine is acting in concert with all these other neurotransmitters. It's like relationships. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is it's not making people particularly happy. To chase the wanting is not satisfying. And what's satisfying is connection. Mm. It's the opiates of the care system. It's the good molecules of the play system. So human beings, we wired to play as kids, so we learn, right? But kids aren't learning anymore from other social play. They're like, they're not learning how to compete and cooperate because they're not playing with other kids in that old rough and tumble play. So it's kind of not surprising that a bunch of them aren't getting laid. Are you ready for the Unleashed Tour? where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment. Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex Podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, shameless sex style. Ever heard of the Slurpee stick shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some dirty talk improv or brat taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. Engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year.
They struggle with like the, the, the gamers, like the video game and people that are video gamers and the people that are using social media as their only outlet for connecting and texting culture and all that, that like the screen culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not satisfying in the same way. You know, they're like talking to you right now. I'm seeing you. I'm hearing you. It's not touch, but there's like, you know, the voice and the interaction and the connection and being back and forth. You know, we're talking more than 14 seconds here. Mm-hmm. There's an actual dialogue mm-hmm. that we're participating in. And that's way more satisfying than texting. So there's lots of inhibitors, obviously, to pleasure. Uh, we've already, I mean, of course, shame is one and trauma. And uh, I'm sure that each human, we're all so different. Uh, it's, it varies from human to human. Is there a way to achieve sustainable pleasure. We talked a lot about like the elevated levels and then it crashes and you are striving to get back to the elevated levels. Is there, is there a system or a methodology or something that we can, we can share and practice? Well, I give tools in my book about how to uh, work on cultivating your ability to be more present. Really, I think at the end of the day, what makes people more sustainably happy is to be radically accepting of where they are and being connected in the moment. They've even done studies where when your mind wanders, you're more unhappy than when your mind is there, even if you're in traffic. Mm-hmm. So being present is where all the good stuff is. And, you know, attending to the moment, attending to the sensations in our bodies and then the experience of connecting with another person is probably certainly the most powerful antidepressant there is, is our social interactions and probably the most sustainable way of having a life that's worth living. Yeah. So, yeah. So we talk about that often here, but presence, presence seems, and I think that frustrates people because they're like, ah, fucking presence. You're talking about that again, you know, mindfulness and presence. And, you know, especially because, um, for a lot of folks they are out of practice with that. So does your book go into some details of, of, um, how folks can practice cultivating more presence into their lives, um, especially their sex lives? Yeah, so there's a lot of tools in my book. I kind of unpack the sort of understanding the systems, you know, the problem and then the systems. And the third part of the book is all about rebalancing and restoring the emotional brain. Mm -hmm. So first of all, like you got to be where you are. And that radical acceptance of, you know, whether you're stressed out or depressed or anxious, the being able to be there in that experience And recognize that you can, by allowing yourself to feel the emotions in your body, and this is the point, this is what I learned about my anxiety, Mm -hmm. this is how I became the brave and brazen kind of media whore that I am when I would (laughs) used to be so scared of even like talking in front of a couple of people, the anxiety about public speaking. If you can be attuned to the sensations in your body and tolerate the sensations, whether it's wherever it is and if it's got like an accompaniment of feeling sad or angry or whatever it is, you are in your experience sufficiently to have it peak and release. Mm -hmm. So when I work with people, I really encourage them to, you know, like kind of like what's going on in your body to notice that you have your, a body, 
first and foremost. So in terms of like these mindfulness practices, you're absolutely right. People kind of get bored or sort of like they want a quicker fix, but it's like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym once. It's a practice. And what I do say is that I outline in my operational intelligence chapter how we have it kind of flipped. We think that if we do the right stuff, then we will have what we need and then we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? <laughs> There's always the next thing to do yeah. to have. And then what we experience is what's the hedonic treadmill. You know, it's first like I'll get the hot tub and I'll be happy. I'll get the PhD and then I'll be happy. I'll get the right sex life and I'll be happy. Get the perfect husband. I'll get married and yeah. I'll get, I'll have kids and I'll be happy. Yeah. yeah. I'm Whoa. still unhappy. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, what the, well, you know what? That doesn't work. Because we're always chasing. It's like we get there and we habituate. And that's a good thing. And the reason why it's a good thing is we are so resilient, resourceful. We habituate to even when bad shit happens. So like, you know, six months after a real catastrophe, people's basic level of happiness kind of returns to their baseline. We're resilient motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. I could say that on this show. Yeah, you can. Yo. I don't have to watch my P's and Q's. You can say fuck as much as you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I like, I'm from Jersey City, so I like to wear like a sailor. You know, I try and clean it up for, even I'm a little wary about lectures these days at university because people are so concerned about language, but I still let it go. Yeah. So, you know, the point being is that we can turn it around and decide who we get to be. What's the new ground? And by having our attention on the new ground, who we get to be. So for example, I talk about making recipes as the, you know, who we get to be going forward. So my recipe, how I kind of get my attention is I start with relaxed because of my nervous system. Then I'm calm. And from there I move on to being confident, courageous, and a playful leader. So when I'm doing things that are really outside my comfort zone, which I've been doing for the past, certainly 15 years, you know, since I kind of unleashed this whole part of my life, going back to grad school and getting a PhD and publishing four scientific papers in a book, (sighs) you know, that's a lot. So, but what I find is that now I can take my attention and turn it to you know, telling myself, okay, work with my body. So relax, be where I am, radical acceptance, full permission to be here. And then what's the next thing where I'm going to get my attention to is being calm is more for me, more mentally calm, you know, relax is my body, calm is my mind. And then I can move from there to be confident. Like I've done the work. I've done this work. You know, this is not like I'm not an imposter here. I put the hours in so I could be confident from there, courageous. And then I get playful. Mm-hmm. And when I'm playful, I have a good time. Mm-hmm. And that's really, then I can lead. You know, I can lead people. I can lead, you know, my life in a way that I didn't know that I had the capacity. And human beings love to grow. Mm-hmm. We love to explore and grow and Uh, Years ago, they used to talk about it like sort of like the actualization, you know, Maslow's, you know, hierarchy. We like to actualize ourselves. And, you know, it's a lot more fun than being in the same misery loop every day. Mm 
which people get into, it's like, and the brain becomes a big loop mm. where people are not in a the moment. They're in there. What happened last year? What's, what's not going to happen in the future? What's going to happen in the future? They're not there. So can I ask, what is your tip for the first step for someone who's stuck in that loop? Because so many people are in there. Like, What would you say? They're stuck in that loop. They come to you. And what would be your first bit of advice for them to get step out of that loop? Notice that you are not the loop. Mm-hmm. When you notice the loop, you're already changing things. So by the ability to be a witness of it, it's what like when we're in psychotherapy, we are witnessing ourselves. When we're on the yoga mat, we're observing ourselves. Mindfulness is all about observing. And I encourage people to do it with a kind of eyes of compassion and a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, holy shit. In this big random universe, I got my mind in the groove here. And it really becomes the neurons. When we keep thinking the same thoughts, there's physical changes in the connections between the the neurons that actually create this circuit. So sometimes we have to reboot. And when people are in really, really bad shape, they even reboot them with hallucinogens. Mm-hmm. And you've heard about the work that they're doing, right? With yeah, MDMA and psilocybin. Legal now in California. Yeah. yeah, it's so important because for some people, I have a friend who's been depressed, my, a friend's husband for a long time, and it only worked to get him out of the loop when they were able to reboot him that way. Yeah. And it's actually, literally, they can observe in brain studies what they call resting state studies when you're in the fMRI scanner without doing anything. There's these circuits of activity between these brain regions that in people have a lot of anxiety and rumination. It's like this, you know, OCD. So the first thing is recognizing I'm having a loop. I am not the loop. Getting to someone who can help you with it. Why do we want to fucking suffer? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, you know, go get, get coaching. To me, I coach clients. I don't sit there for years listening to them. I'm like, what do you want to create? And like, let's whip out the tools and what tools are going to be helpful to you. So I use hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. And what hypnotherapy is, we suggest shit to ourselves all the time. Unconsciously, often it's not good shit. Mm -hmm. It's negative (laughs) self-talk. Very little Mm -hmm. that goes on in our mind is actually conscious, meaning like we're aware of it. Most of it's automatic. Habits are automatic, all of that. So, you know, this is so good to know that we don't have to do this by ourselves and we can get a reboot. We can make our happiness and, you know, we're not going to be ha ha happy all the time. You know, what makes for sustainable happiness is what Marty Seligman, who's the founder of positive psychology, has studied. Positive psychology is an approach to looking at what works with people rather than pathology. Mm -hmm. And he talks about a couple things. First of all, we do have that stuff that feels good, positive affect. That's part of it. Okay. But what's also really important is getting engaged stuff that compels you make, you know, for me, my work, even though it's challenging sometimes and crazy making, I love, I love my work with people. I get so, I'm engaged right now in here. The time is flying by. So engagement and also meaning. What's meaningful to you? If you've got some positive affect, 
about stuff and something is creating a sense of engagement or flow, plus you have some meaning in what you're doing or how you're being, you're going to likely have more good days than bad. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and has changed their lives. So for all you vulva owners or vulva lovers out there who may already be having good orgasms and you want to take it to the next level, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime, OMGS will have something just for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD money can buy. To learn more, visit omgs.com backslash shameless. Our listeners get $5 off. Check it out. This podcast was also made possible by UberLube. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes. And there are hundreds of doctors who recommend UberLube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks who are experiencing dryness. You never knew lube could be this good. So whether you're an avid lube lover or you've never used lube before, Uber Lube is right for you. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on the body. Uber Lube has endless uses. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth right before an oral sex session, and it totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's gorgeous. It's totally discreet and looks more like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can even leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX and you get 10% off and free shipping. That's uberlube.com. Go check it out. And now back to the show. So in your book, you talk about this, the seven embodied core wired in emotions. So can you talk more about what those are and why this isn't something that's typically talked about? Well, it's not talked about because it puts us on the same level, at least on that level of the brain with animals. Charles Darwin know, knew this because he, he wrote a book on the emotions in man and animals but then psychology got all you know away from that and went through a whole bunch of different changes. And nowadays, we still have big debates in the field about do animals have emotions? And it's like, hello, anybody who's had a pet knows that animals have affection and they have warmth and they have fear and they have, no, they're not like feeling shame. You know, they don't have the more cognitive infused emotions that we do, but they have these core wired in emotions. And uh, the primary system that we talked about seeking works with the defenses, which are fear, like to get away from stuff that's dangerous, rage to stand our ground, to defend ourselves. The panic grief system is a really interesting system because the panic grief system is really what's designed to keep us connected. Like it's the dark side of the good feelings of connection. So people who have attachment anxiety, have you heard about attachment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
probably based on their wiring and then their early childhood experiences have a lot of activation in that panic grief system. It can lead to anxiety, panic attacks. It can lead to depression, especially in combination with the flat seeking system. So the panic grief system is really trying to keep us connected to our resources. And then on the affiliative side, We've got care powered by opiates, or what they call opioids, which is covers all kinds of opiates. And then we have play and the play system. In fact, they've been working on an antidepressant that's modeled on the chemistry of the play system that should be out in the market at some point. Um, it's really underdeveloped and squashed in, in grownups, particularly the play system in both children and adults will go flat when you're not feeling safe, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? And then my favorite one, lust or the urge to merge, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those circuits, nature's not dumb. Nature's wired us to be looking for connection, both intimately, sexually, and also by relationships. So those are the basic systems and they all have, they're all expressed in sensations in the body, fear, rage, lust, Mm -hmm. panic, you know, uh, care, all of those in the seeking system to all are experienced in visceral ways. Mm -hmm. So we have to notice first that we have a body and that's where people People forget they have bodies. They're so in their heads. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're trying to forget that they have bodies because it's, you know, hard, harder painful. I'm sure you see that in your, with your clients that you work with in your practice, right? There's, you know, a lot of folks who are like, my body's not safe. And then you're, and then you're speaking to this, the safety piece too and how important that is. It seems, like, it seems like that's kind of one of the foundational pieces in the work for most of these things, like to, to establish safety first and then you can have all the other things on top. Exactly. So what we do, what my work with people is to basically create the the rapport and the safety, the care system. And then I lend them my seeking system by being very curious and interested in my play system. I'm very playful with my clients, you know, appropriately, obviously, and get them curious. And that's, you know, kind of getting a jump start to that seeking system Mm -hmm. and then when people get like reassured that wait a second I'm like I'm okay even not feeling well I'm okay because this profound feeling of not being okay associated with shame often kind of functions to shut people down and they won't be authentic they won't be they'll avoid real connection which is precisely what they need This is where you were talking about in the beginning, the anhedonia, which is the inability to experience satisfying pleasure. And I'm assuming sexual pleasure and just uh, pleasure of, of life, right? Just the, the natural experience of pleasure that humans are, have the ability to feel. So I guess the core wired systems, if they're out of balance, that will definitely affect your, your natural ability to experience satisfying pleasure. Uh, but also how does this imbalance trigger like more stress, anxiety, depression, um, and just 
poor emotional health because it sounds like it's all so correlated and you touched on it a little bit, but I love knowing more about anhedonia because this is the first time I've ever uh, been from familiarized or uh, starting to familiarize myself with that term. So I'd love for you to touch on that. That's really a very great um, clarification, April, to like go deeper into that because really I think the crux of the book is really looking at all of these imbalances as they take their toll on our ability to have feelings of well-being and pleasures give us feelings of well-being. We feel okay. We feel kind of safe. We feel like we're willing to explore. So you can see that if you're primarily not really able to experience pleasure, how do you go out in the world and have a good career? How do you go out in the world and have good relationships? How do you have intimacy with your kids, with your parents, with your siblings? It's like, it's this huge, like crushing, numbing sort of veil over everything. And it's so, so, it's often associated with a lot of sadness, if not anxiety being the primary flavor. It's sadness. Not being able to, it's the, there's some desire there within the person, you know, to connect or to feel something other than that numbness or that sadness or that anxiety. So if we're not able to experience pleasure, we're not effective. Mm -hmm. Think about the days that we perk the best are the days that we have some motivation. That's the seeking system that we're finding some pleasure, curiosity, or interest in what we're doing. We can team up with people, ask for help, offer help, tend and befriend. We can take stands as we need to. That's where the rage system is important. If we don't have sufficient anger to be able to take a stand and tell somebody that either they have transgressed our boundaries or they've not uh, treated us well or that they're ignoring our needs, we're as guilty in relationship to those people as people who transgress us. So we have to take stands. That's part of a good functioning um, emotional system is feeling safe. And actually, like I had an example where I was doing something like that with potential business partners, where I was afraid of a confrontation, where I really wanted to take a stand. And it actually felt so good to do it in a way that wasn't making them wrong. You know, a lot of times we feel like, oh, we can't be angry unless somebody's, you know, done something bad to us, which creates that victim mentality, you know. We're allowed to have feelings. If it's our feeling, if we're not making somebody wrong, we can also ask for what we need, ask them to work with us, you know. So this is being able to be having pleasure in your life is a necessary ingredient for good relationships in general. I just wanted to offer just a, a comment to that because I have only started taking a stand in my life and being coming more confrontational. I grew up with a non-confrontational mother who would just stuff things and stuff things and stuff things. And I took on that in my adult years. And only now I've actually been able to um, just start tapping in. And there is a science to it, to do it in a non uh, in, in a way that doesn't trigger a defense in the person that you are getting confrontational with. And it's been really mind blowing to start learning those techniques and also 
uh, what it's done for me and creating my boundaries and standing up for like my true self. Go, you go girl. That's fantastic. And you're doing people around you a favor because when you take good stance with them, you're really giving them information about how they can work with you. You know what I'm saying? To create a good outcome. And, you know, one of the tools that I learned, first of all, I love research. So even before I became a researcher, I looked into what has been shown effective in relationships. So there are people who've done research on this. Uh, John Gottman is one of them. And then there's Brent Atkinson, who's written a terrific um, textbook, basically, for clinicians on that and also a workbook for clients if you go to his website. But I take... You know, my pieces from different things. One thing I learned years ago from just a training I did was how to, before I got confrontational, particularly with my husband, who I've been together with, we started dating in 1974. Wow. Oh boy, that's a long time. (laughs) And, you know, we went off to college separately. We came back and we've had lots of different kinds of marriages. We had the young marriage, we had the marriage with the kids and then the kids leaving and then the marriage now. But what I learned to say to him was when I was upset, I'd say to him or to anybody and not just my husband, I do this with my uh, colleague who I did my PhD with, who's a piece of work. Hi, Barry, <laughs> Barry Commissarak. <laughs> Shout out to you. He's actually a brilliant man. He was the first person to study orgasm in the brain and he paved the way for all of this. But anyway, you say to them something like, do you have the space now to hear something about how I'm feeling that might be upsetting to you or might be triggering to you? And they get to say yes. If they don't say yes, you can, if they say no, you can say, when can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. So you give them a heads up. And you also let them know that you're expressing this so that you can work together to create a good outcome. So it's not like you're just trying to take a dump on them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you talked about your mom. My mom, I didn't know the word anhedonia. My mom is, she's still alive. Both of my parents are still alive, which is kind of amazing. Wow. So, and I doubt they'll listen to this podcast. So I, and it, <laughs> hey, it's mom. nothing I haven't said to them. My mom has got such challenges experiencing pleasure. Mm-hmm. And she was very punitive with us growing up because it would trigger, she'd get anxious, you know, about us separating. So the point being is that, you know, when you grow up around people either that don't express conflict or they're taking dumps is what I wanted to say. She would take, she would take a dump and then she'd feel good, Mm -hmm. but she'd leave us and and she's still doing it to my dad, but somehow it works for them, you know, seven 60 something years of marriage. <laughs> it works for them. But when you, when you don't understand that a, you can, you're entitled to have all your feelings. And I think if you understand the core emotions and the functions of them, it really helps us validate that at the core of this, these emotions have purposes. And when we feel wronged or we feel, you know, stymied by people, we're going to probably feel enraged. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to have a, what I like to call a limbic hijacking and go like postal on them or take a dump on them emotionally, but we can, we can express that this is, you know, I'm upset. I, you know, my experience of you, when you said or did this affected me this or that way, 
and it doesn't work for me for you to do A, B, or C, can you work with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's create more fun. That's what I always say to my couples. This isn't fun what you guys are, not you, but what my couples are doing. And when my parents were staying here for about seven months, which is a whole lot of time, and I actually had my kids and one grandchild and my parents living here at the same time, just this, you know, that was stressful. However, I used to threaten my clients. And I'm like, if you continue acting like this, I'm going to bring you upstairs and show you the parents. <laughs> And you're going to see where this is heading. Yeah. You don't want to see it. You know, <laughs> I even tell my parents that. <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. That's awesome. I like, and I love this example, a couple of things that you said, but previously you said the, the piece about wrongness and you know, how we're so driven to prove someone has to be wrong in this argument. And there's something in us that has to, to feel good about ourselves. We have to prove someone wrong. So I guess for our listeners, like how can you uh, kind of, maybe look at or examine the conversations you're having with lovers and partners and when wrongness seems to be so important to achieve, you know, that, that uncovering of who's wrong and how can you actually have conversations without it? And then what you're also saying here is, is linking it back to sex because you're adding fun. Fun is, is, is after you've established the safety and being able to have confrontation, being able to talk about the things, the underlying fears and resentments and hurts and, and is, a key to great sex, right? That's a key to great sex. You're right about that, Amy. When in my last chapter, I talk about sexual potential from the lessons from the extraordinary lovers is really about being able to go to those scary places, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're, you know, telling the truth about what we're thinking, feeling, or doing, uh, being able to uh, confront people about stuff that's not working for us going to even the scary places that we're feeling as individuals and sharing that with our partners, people who take those risks to really be in an authentic, radically honest relationship. I I studied with the author, Brad Blanton, who's a trip. He's a, he describes himself as white trash with a PhD. (laughs) He is a hoot. He wrote a bunch of books called radical honesty. I have an interview that I'm going to put out myself with him. And it's like, being truthful with people is really what helps you connect. If you're withholding stuff from somebody, which we do, that's in the way. Now, people have differing, you know, I don't tell people you should tell the truth because I don't want to should on anybody. The experience of when people are able to tell authentic truth is also we can begin to notice, and this is pertinent to this issue of conflict, what the difference between what somebody actually said or did or didn't do and our interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. That's key. Yeah. You know, and if we, we start with, here's what they say in terms of relationship skills, start with giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that and then you can really listen, I talk about, you know, the importance of being able to listen There's some exercises in my book about this, very simple, but very powerful and also challenging. I had two, I had a couple, they were so cute in my office last night. They were bopping off the the couch and they were trying to make each other, you know, wrong and, but they were enjoying it. That's their repertoire, how they do it. It's not working for them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can suspend your judgment and give people the benefit of the doubt and then 
ask into it, like get really curious. And often, even what looks like on the surface, the stupidest shit that people do, from the way they look at it, made some sense at a point in time. And then I go a step further. And this is a, a big piece of my work with people is like going, even the things that we don't like, the things we want to get rid of, or the things that we don't like with our partner, if you can listen in to that and find what was the positive intention. You know, for example, people smoke cigarettes not to get lung cancer, right? They're not looking to get cancer. They're attempting to what's a very powerful antidepressant, you know, the nicotine going across the blood brain barrier and like fractions of like a second or two is an antidepressant. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to get cancer. Mm -hmm. However, that may not be that particular way of addressing your feelings may not be certainly not healthy hedonism. There may be ways to update it. It's the same way with our partners. Mm -hmm. So if understanding what they did and we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and hear it more deeply. There's so much good information in this podcast. I feel like all of our listeners are going to have to rewind and, re and listen again and again or buy your book uh, and, and buy your book even better because you go way deeper into all of these topics. And, and uh, I think it could really help everyone have good sex or better sex. Can you tell our listeners uh, where to find your book and also how to find you? Well, if you go into the bathroom, it says for a good time, call Dr. Nan. Uh, you high know, five, five, but, five, five, yeah. yeah, really. Uh, well, actually, my book is available any place you buy books online. Um, I have a Kindle version with my own audio book I narrated that you get for free. Nice. So you can listen to my lovely Jersey City accent. Love it. Tell the stories. Um, also, you can go to your local bookstore, and if they don't have it, tell them this is a book you should have. You can go to my website, Ask Dr. Nan, and the doctor is spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Nan.com. And on my website, I have a link to buy the book. I have an excerpt of the book. I have uh, my columns for Glamour and Psychology Today, plus I do a vlog, mm. which is kind of like you know, talking about, boy, my hands are busy today. It's a good thing your listeners can't see them. I'm having like hand moments here. Just I'm having so much fun. I'm, I'm exuberant. <laughs> and I really think that you ladies are doing a fabulous job with your podcast. Um, we need to talk about sex. And people think that we're in a sex positive culture. We've made some gains. But hell no, if you look at the slut shaming on The Bachelor show, mm -hmm. if you listen to that we're even in having to think about our own reproductive rights being taken away, mm -hmm. hello, it's a, it's a really interesting time. There's been, I think this is a backlash because we've made such progress and then there's that, you know, contraction afterwards. Um, I don't even know what to say about the political climate right now. It's just, you can't watch TV and still have pleasure, not, not watching the news. I, you know, and I tell people, don't watch the news, read. Yeah, kill your TV, read some books, listen to audiobooks. I like that suggestion. And even read the news. Don't yeah. see it because that energy, watching that energy is just, it's all about hijacking our fear systems 
and making us good consumers of the bullshit that's being passed as truth. And, you know, we should go buy products so that we, in, you know, to get rid of our feelings when actually we should just let life be sensational. Yeah. Feel your feelings. I love that, Dr. Nan. That was a perfect way to unfortunately end this podcast. I really don't want you to go. And I hope to see you soon uh, back on our show because you are full of so much amazing information. Thank you for all the work you're doing. Talk about, you know, all sorts of things, you know, and, and um, you know, maybe even take some questions that people might have. Oh yeah. Listeners, you have questions, go ahead and send them in and we can bring yeah, them send them in. I'd be happy to, to, to do that, to like address the questions. Cause you know, there's nothing like unpacking people's stories. Like if people give you a question and you can kind of, we all can learn from it. You Absolutely. know, it's the story is a great way to unpack our learning. I just want to put that out there. If listeners send us questions that are, are directly about a Dr. Nan return episode to in the subject line. So we don't get confused on our end reading the sex question, say this is for Dr. Nan. Yeah. So that we know, otherwise it'll go categories with other, we get so many sex questions all the time. So so you're doing such great work. I'm so proud of you ladies. Thank you. And we couldn't do this great work alone. Sometimes we have to have a little bit of help from our fabulous wine sponsor. So... I want to give you, our listeners, the chance to sign up for the newsletter. She does about two releases a year, so not very many. And the newest one is going to be in February. So go to marginswine.com. Yeah, so if they're listening and it's after February, you probably missed out. But go to marginswine.com and sign up for the newsletter because the people that are in the newsletter uh, email list are getting first access to all the wines. So Thank you to all of our listeners and to Dr. Nan, and we will see you next Tuesday, y'all. Ciao for now. And thank you, ladies. It's been my pleasure, really, truly. You're wonderful. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.